Welcome to the Dairy Farmers of Canada's ProAction podcast series, Paths to On-Farm Excellence, where we discuss priority topics for Canadian dairy farmers. My name's Stephen Roach. I'm the director and principal consultant for an animal health research consulting firm called Acer Consulting, which is based in Guelph, Ontario. I'm part of a team that's working with the Dairy Farmers of Canada to help showcase Canadian dairy farming stories, industry updates, and the latest science, advice, and perspectives on high-priority topics that relate to ProAction. You'll find this channel features a number of different series, from animal care to biosecurity and beyond. This podcast series features conversations with farmers, veterinarians, nutritionists, hoof trimmers, and other farm advisors, researchers, and many other industry stakeholders. Our next discussion takes place with Dr. Ewan Ferguson, a veterinarian from Eastern Ontario and esteemed advisor in all manners of safe and low-stress animal handling. I sat down with Ewan to discuss his perspectives on what producers can do to minimize the stress of animal handling. He discusses the importance of training, taking time to talk to your staff and team about what safe handling looks like, and understanding how cows behave and what you can do to ensure you're working with them as safe and comfortably as possible. So, let's jump in. Well, Ewan, it's a pleasure to uh, to get the chance to not only uh, chat with you about uh, animal handling in, in the dairy industry, but uh, and to be here in your home in Campbellford on a nice winter's day and chat a little bit about your perspective and, and some of the things you've heard and learned as you've gone through sort of the journey of figuring out how to work with animals and work with the people who are responsible for their care. So thanks very much for doing this. Well, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. So um, I guess just to, to jump into this, we, we're, this podcast series is featuring conversations with a whole host of different people, all different walks of life and professions, um, trying to talk about some of the quote unquote high priority animal care issues for, for the Canadian dairy industry. Some of those are, are identified in proaction and some of those are just issues that we need to address and continue to progress on as we get new staff members in our dairies or, or new larger herds, for example or new animals. So um, can you give me a little bit of a, of a sense or give the audience a little bit of a sense of who you are and what your perspective, what you bring to the table in terms of your experience in the Canadian dairy industry? Sure. Uh, I'm a dairy veterinarian with uh, over 40 years experience. So I've been uh, around the block a time or two. And in that practice, <clears throat> excuse me, in, in my dairy practice, I get to see all v- variations of farms and uh, the way they handle cattle and it's different there's quite a variation and I think one of my best experiences as a very young vet was being uh, doing brucellosis testing and my previous experience to that was just from what my father or my grandfather taught me on about how to handle cattle or react with cattle and my experience as a as again as a young vet going to different farms I saw that I could uh, brucellosis test sometimes 100 cows in a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it took me a whole day. And from that experience, I realized there's different ways of handling cattle and treating cattle and moving cattle and processing cattle. So it was, it was quite a, an eye-opener for me to see that difference. And I think I learned from that experience. Awesome. Um so it's that's great. I mean, it's exciting to have the chance to chat with someone who's got such a, a, a wide variety of experiences and sort of a long tenure in the industry. Um, can you give us a sense 
again, sort of for the broader audience of why is it so important that we take sort of a safe and quiet and calm approach to handling cattle? I think most of us, especially in the dairy industry, sort of take it for granted that this is sort of the expectation, but we don't always get into sort of the nuances of what that really means and and why it's so important. Can you give us a sense of that? Well, it's kind of your question implies the safe and uh, quiet handling of cattle, and that just makes sense. We We should be doing that. Uh, it, it, the cows appreciate it, the, the calves appreciate it. But I think the bigger thing is, is that if we, if we do that, then we're putting ourselves in a safe environment where the cattle are happier, they're going to perform better, do what we want them to do. Uh, so we're not fighting the cattle, we're working with the cattle. That's great. So do we see, um, maybe from a veterinary standpoint, some of the benefits in terms of production or stress and, and some of those characteristics that actually go in towards the products that we're trying to produce? Oh, ab- absolutely. One, one of my experiences lately was uh, going to a couple of rotary parlors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in uh, British Columbia at the time, and I saw two different experiences there. I saw one rotary parlor where the cows were coming in, there was no uh, stalls that were not being filled. The cows were just walking in quite, quite, quite quietly, and they were um, <clears throat> being milked. Everything seemed to be going very smoothly. But what I really noticed was there was no defecation. The, the parlor, I was in there maybe three hours after the, the milking had started, and there was no manure anywhere. I was quite shocked about that. And I contrast that to another parlor I went into, another rotary parlor later that day, and the cows were, there was more noise. The cows were a bit more agitated. Uh, they were making a lot more manure. Uh, the, the workers were hosing. There's water everywhere because they're hosing manure off all, all of the time. And so I just saw quite a, a difference. And the, par- the parlor was not filled. There was lots of empty stalls because some cows were hesitant to come on. And I think that was just the experience of different, different workers, different mentalities and how that should should happen so and I think I talked to the second farmer about you know the cows being a bit nervous and you know more defecation and to them that was their norm they thought oh really that's you don't see that in other farms and I said no we see other farms where the cows are are quiet and uh, and clean they stay clean during the whole process it's amazing how even though we're all producing the same product and in many cases have the same milking system and same general setup, how different things can be under the roof. Absolutely. The norm is what you know. And I I always say, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So that experience of like, I'm very privileged being able to go to different farms and seeing these different um, operations. And most farmers don't maybe have that opportunity. They're, you know, they're busy, they're working hard doing a good job and they don't have that chance to see other operations and how maybe how it could be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, I think I've uh, talked a lot about that in a couple of different contexts and frame of reference is always sort of the, oh, yeah, the, the thing we talk about, right? You know, yes. uh, you talk about that in terms of morbidity or illness in any, you know, population. It's sort of what do you know and what, how does that compare to others? Why benchmarking is so impactful. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, most of us have grown up around livestock all our lives. And, and so, like I had sort of indicated before, a lot of us make the assumption that we all know how to handle cattle uh, or that folks that we might be hiring into our operation, our workers, um, 
have a general sense of how that's done and, and how that should go. And so sometimes I think we might gloss over some of the training or some of the communication necessary to go from um, that second example that you mentioned to that first one, the quieter, right. sort of the more calm approach. Um, what would you say producers generally have a good handle on when it comes to handling? And then I guess the flip side of that sort of part two of that question is where do you see some of the stumbling blocks or some of the gaps? So I guess to start it off, what what's going well? What do producers generally do well in terms of handling? I, I, I'm going to equate this to driving, getting our driver's license. And I think we all think we're great drivers. And it's only when you know, maybe someone comments about your driving style, style or your skill that you think, oh, maybe I'm, I'm not such a great driver. And I think the same thing with cattle handling. Like, where do we learn how to handle cattle? It's usually from our, our parents have taught us or our experiences with other farmers. And again, that knowledge base is very limited to who, who our teachers were. So I see some farmers that are extraordinary. They're quiet. They, they never, they're not raising their voice. They're not waving their arms around. And the cows seem to do what they want them to do. I see other situations where there is waving and there's loud voices and the cows get agitated. So there is a, a broad difference in, in how that, that uh, occurs. And I think that's translated then when farms get larger and they get help, they get help or they have workers come in. And I think many times the tr- there's no training at all. It's just an expectation that, well, they must know how to handle cattle. Right. Uh, and unfortunately, that's not the case. But I think if there is training, sometimes you have to be careful that we're training properly. I mean, if we have bad a bad skill set, then maybe we're translating that to the next generation or the next level of workers that are coming onto our farm. So, so I think it's important to try to get some training. Again, you know, nobody wants to be told they're a bad driver. Nobody wants to be told that maybe they're not the best cow handler. But there is a, you know, from, again, my experience as a veterinarian, I see a huge variation in the, in the field on how people treat and handle cattle. Mm-hmm. So do you, would you say then some, I guess maybe one of the biggest knowledge gaps is just making the assumption that we're all on the same page and that we all are doing this as best as possible? Oh, absolutely. It's, there is a big difference. And again, there's, you know, there's this wide variation in production on, on herds, you might Similar genetics with lots of herds, similar feed. But why does one herd get 35 liters of milk and the other get, you know, 30? And it's it's not all because of ha- handling, but I think that's part of it. That's just the way we, you know, it's one, of the, one piece of the puzzle and how, how cattle are handled that may, have, in fact, help production or, or hinder production. Mm-hmm. So if, if producers hearing this are, are questioning about, you know, their own abilities or maybe, you know, hearing this and going, well, you know, maybe I should talk to my staff and, and make sure we're all on the same page of doing the right thing. What kind of training is out there? What kind of resources exist for, for farmers to really get a sense of what it means to be sort of a quiet and calm animal handler? Yeah, and there's probably not as much out there as we'd like to think there was. Uh, I've been involved with the Merck uh, Dairy Care 365 program. And I don't work for Merck, but I've, I've been contracted to help them with that. And it was started, I think, back around 2014, and, and, and I've been involved since 2016. And as part of that, I think I've been to 17 or 18 different locations all across Canada from mm-hmm. coast to coast. And part of that training program was initiated from the University of Minnesota. So they have a series, I think it's seven different videos that they have and different things about, you know, stockmanship, moving cows into the parlor, uh, moving a down cow or non-ambulatory cow. So there are videos available and, 
you know, to put a plug in for Merck, maybe, you know, talk to your local Merck rep and, and I think they will share those videos with you. And they're great for training veterinarians, they're great for training uh, farm owners and also farm staff. And I know some, some herds do that. To take that the next step, we had a, a farmer approach a veterinarian who then approached Merck because Merck knew, or they knew Merck had these programs. And I, I did an on-farm training for, for the farm. And they were having issues with their staff about handling cattle. And so we did an in-house. And it was quite illuminating because everybody thinks they're a genius at moving cattle around. And we had a simple exercise. They were, they were asked to, uh, we had one cow in one alley and she was by herself. And they were asked to go down to the cow, kind of introduce themselves to the cow, uh, walk with her, stop her, walk with her, stop her, turn her, and have her walk away from them, all in a calm manner. And everybody thought, well, this is pretty basic. One person out of, I think, about 10 were able to do it, and it was the, the senior herds person. Mm-hmm. She, she, she had that calmness about her, but the other nine people failed. The nice, the positive message is, is that after they saw that and saw each, each other and how they had failed, they all got it and all passed the second time. So we can learn. Mm-hmm. And it was a very uh, powerful experience for all of them to, to see how that can be done. And so that translates into when we have to fetch a cow for a robotic herd or move a cow into a parlor, how we interact with that cow, how we move that cow is one of the lessons from, from that experience. Mm-hmm. Do you, in that example, was there a common, um, what's the word? It's not mistake, but is there a common uh, area that those other nine producers were sort of challenged with? Yeah, and I, it was quite remarkable. They were moving too fast. Okay. They, the cow is very sensitive. The cow's a prey animal, and she's always afraid. I call it afraid of the lions. I mean, in the jungle, they were afraid of the lions attacking them. So cows are very aware of strange movements. And I, I would say pretty well routinely, the people who had trouble were the ones that were a bit jerky or moving a bit too fast. And uh, the cow sensed that nervousness in them, and then the cow became nervous. So it, you know, calm and quiet. That's what cows like. Mm-hmm. I was talking recently in BC to to industry, um, not just uh, dairy, but but broader industry, and um, we were chatting about uh, the concept of one welfare, which is understanding that that the welfare of an animal or a person it tends to be connected, and the environment is other other important component right. there. And I used the example of of animal handling and said, you know, it comes down to the cow's personality and and who she is, as well as sort of the evolutionary components of the cow, right. yeah. uh, the personality of the worker and their skills, and then the environment, the stalls, the setup, that kind of thing. And and I guess what I'm hearing a little bit is really those things come together, but we can't always change the environment very easily, but we can change our approach to, to yeah. how we animally work within. Absolutely. It's, it's, um, it's a funny thing. I think I, I take the example of milking cows and you know, if we take the time to properly prepare them and, you know, we're going to blow 60 to 90 seconds getting this cow prepared, the, it's, it's kind of a paradox, but the cow will actually milk quicker, have a better milk out, and, and be done faster. It's a similar thing with moving cows or, or working with cows. If we're calm and quiet, the cow, and, and we've trained the cows a little bit, and going backwards a little bit, my training was this exercise of moving the cows and stopping her. Exercises like that, in fact, if we can do that and go a little bit slower, the cows will perform better, walk better, go where we want them better, and we'll actually save time. Mm-hmm. 
it's it's so there's so many examples of that, isn't there? You yeah. know, it's sort of the, the measure twice, cut once kind of yeah, approaching, or, you know. Yeah. Or the hurrier I go, the behind her I get. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I can think of a of a few people uh, specifically who who will hear sort of these recommendations and think, okay, great. I understand that, but but of course, there's many things to do in a day, or you know, sometimes there's a level of frustration because I'm dealing with animals that are stubborn, or animals that don't want to do what I want them to do or go where I want to go. So, for example, is getting heifers going through into the parlor for the first time, or in a you mentioned robots. You know, if we're transitioning to a robotic farm, how do we fetch cows, or how do we get cows going in, following that system? And another example, just trying to get cows into the chute for trimming. You know, how do we, those can be, of course, stressful times for those animals. They're sort of atypical experiences, at least in, in the, the case of getting in the shoot, maybe. Um, and so any thoughts or any advice for how we deal with sort of the frustrating and difficult situations? Yeah. And, and we all get there. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's very difficult to try to stop that. I guess my advice is um, time and resources are always limited. Mm -hmm. And it seems they're more limited when we have more tasks to do and less time to do them. For example, the foot trim day. And so it's pretty hard to change things that day. Um, There are strategies, I mean, just maybe more help on those days. Mm -hmm. I think it makes a big difference. And, you know, labor is always tough on farms, but in those kind of situations, I think having some extra help will be a, a big benefit. But to back up a little bit, I think if it's about training and, and being prepared, and I think we need to start training our cat, like training our cows as calves. Mm-hmm. You know, every calf comes out of a hutch, and you know that that experience. If we have to build confidence in the calf at that point, we have to let them know that they can make a choice, but we can direct them which you know which gate sh- they should go through or not. And they will cows want to learn. They they are very. They're very smart and they want to learn. So we have to give them those opportunities to learn. And so I think starting as calves so that, you know, they know how to move from pen to pen or from from the barn out to the pasture or back in, uh, you know, eventually into the parlor and out of the parlor. And if we invest the time early and start early as calves, then those experiences where we are trying to, you know, get one into the parlor or if, go fetch that one cow out of, out of, 60 into the uh, into the robot those experiences can be more positive and if we invest as again investing the time is important because if we try to do it in the moment and there's been no training it's tough on the cow it's tough on us and it takes a long time it takes way longer mm-hmm. and it's a good point too if we can build that in earlier then it probably makes yeah. that that small changes over time yeah. a lot easier as well well, we all have that opportunity. Everybody, uh, most calves are raised in hutches. Everybody has to take a calf out of a hutch or out of a small group pen and move them. And that can be, maybe we should slow down and figure out how to do that um, properly and get the calves used to that that handling and, and uh, interaction with humans. That's sometimes the first real interaction they've had with a human. And uh, as I said earlier, they, they want to learn. We have to teach them. Mm-hmm. I like that advice. Um, we have a quality assurance program I mentioned already in, in Canadian Dairy ProAction and, and in a couple of areas, ProAction sort of references the need for either training or a standard operating procedure on how we do what we're talking about and mostly to ensure that the owner, whoever is responsible for that operation, um, 
ensures that all of the, uh, his or her staff are are on the same page and that everyone knows what what to do. There's a lot of latitude, I think, within that in terms of how that's set up, and and it's designed to ensure that at least at the minimum, you know, at minimum, if we get into a situation where animals aren't being treated properly, we have a sense of how were they trained and what kind of communication have they had. If a farmer's listening to this and, and thinking, you know, I want to, I want to make sure that I'm on the same page with my employees. Where do you think they should start? Is it is it taking that example you mentioned earlier with the ten uh, staff workers, where you just had a simple exercise just to really evaluate, or is it a conversation with a veterinarian or someone else in the industry? How do they, how might they start that conversation with their staff and getting themselves up to speed? Sure. Again, I think it's first recognizing there might be an issue. So that's that's a first step, and that's a positive step. I think in our industry, most most producers will go to their vet, and I think vets would have, you know, if they don't have the skill set themselves. I mean, we all have a certain level of skill sets. I'm certainly not an expert in it. I I consider myself a student. <laughs> I'm learning all the time, but um, I know people that I can go to. And in this case, I mean, there's a, there's a cow signals program out there, um, which has been very good. Uh, the, again, the, the Merck three, uh, Dare Care 365 is very good. So I think those are two starting points. There's probably others, but I think either one of those would be a good starting point to, to you know, start this process. And, and it is training. And we, we train our staff well, we should train our staff how to milk cows. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is just as important a, a step as how to move cows and, and work with cows. Yeah, that's great. And, and like you say, I think it's a, we need to embrace the fact that we don't know what we don't know. And, and sometimes it's just about asking questions. Right. Yeah. And, and trying to find the opportunities or the answers as we go. Right. I think if you're a farmer and you're having huge frustrations and you get all worked up about doing this project or that project with cows... You might sit back and say, well, is it the cow or is it me? <laughs> because sometimes it's, because as I said, I do see farmers where there's a calmness in the barn. I walk in and the cows don't even know I'm there. And I, they, by contrast that, I go, go into barns and everybody's, you know, the, the energy level is very high in the barn mm-hmm. sometimes. And there's a difference in how cows perceive people and, and, and their interaction with people. Mm-hmm. I, I think both of us have mentioned through the conversation about um, dealing with frustrating uh, cases or, or instances where we're, we're having challenge moving uh, individual animals. Um, you also mentioned that there's been some work and resources on on down cattle in particular. Right. Um, of course, you know, that's a whole nother ball of wax in, in some cases. But do you have any experience or, or lessons learned about how we handle animals in that specific situation? I, again, realize there's an, a whole host of different situations that come with an animal that's gone down and a variety of different reasons as well. But any advice related to that sort of movement component? Yeah, and, and everyone's unique. Yeah, of course. Uh, there's a rule of thumb that the, the farther the cow is from the door, the, the, the more likely she has to be down. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I'm thinking of tie stall barns and, uh, the you know, the back, the back alley, and we've got to move her all the way through. And I've had a lot of experience moving cows, uh, down cows, and less so lately because I think our barns are better and there's more, more space. But um, I've literally you know, put cows on, on a piece of plywood and uh, move them from one end of the barn to the other. Um, I, I will never put a rope or, you know, some kind of a restraint device on a cow and pull the cow. Like you pull, you, you move the, the structure that she's on. And I, it's one of those things that farmers hate to do. Nobody wants to move a cow. Um, 
And I think, I, I tell farmers, if you give me a couple men or, or women um, and about 20 minutes, I can move a cow almost anywhere you want to, want to go. It's, it's the worry about it is worse than the actual doing it. Mm-hmm. And we can usually transfer a cow, two or three people can usually transfer a cow uh, from where she is in a stall in, in, if she got into the gutter, which sometimes we see with milk fever cows, they get trapped. And we can get her onto a piece of plywood and with a rope and uh, with usually there's some kind of an ATV or something, we can move, yeah. we can move cows. Yep. And I don't think I've ever spent more than 20 minutes or maybe half an hour moving a cow anywhere uh, out of a barn. So it doesn't take that much time. It just, it's just the, the worry is worse than the actual task. So I think my, my long, long answer to your question, uh, lots of people and, uh, and patience. Uh, the other thing is I don't want people around there that have no, uh, that aren't helping. You know, worst thing you do is have onlookers giving advice. You know, right. if people are actually there to help you, that's great. But if they're, if they're just there to, um, you know, be observers, then I just assume that, that they weren't there because they're, they're, probably interfering with the process. Yeah, it can be stressful just to have eyes yeah, on you, yeah. right? Yeah. But the goal is to move the cow and get her into a safe, comfortable place uh, with no no harm to the cow in the process of doing that. And as I said, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, we can, there's very few situations where we can't move a cow in that period of time. Mm-hmm. So she's worth the investment. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Where does the the prod fit into all of this in, in the down cattle situation? Yeah. Uh, and that's a controversial um, situation. I now ask the farmers uh, if I have a, I'm thinking of a milk fever cow, mm-hmm. and I have saved, I think, countless hundreds of cows over my career by y- using a prod. And because, uh, you know, cows are down, sometimes they're a bit reluctant to get up. But I think we have to have very careful use of the prod. And, and now I ask the farmer's permission if I can use a prod. I, I, I think that it's a sensitive subject. I've never had a farmer say, no, don't use it. But I think how we use it is important. And I think the key is to, to use it. And you know fairly quickly if the cow is going to respond and, or jump up or not. Where we get in trouble is where the prod is used. Can, you know, we don't stop using the prod. We just keep using it. Nothing's happening. That's, that's wrong. So uh, the prod is a, a tool. Um, and if the cow doesn't respond quickly, then the prod goes back and we, we look at other options. But I think it has been very beneficial. So I'm, I think there's training. Uh, I guess the bigger issue is on farm. What, what does the, I think every farm should have a policy on prod. Uh, who should use it? Who's been trained to use it? And I don't think it should be in the hands of everybody who's on the farm. Maybe, you know, the foreman, uh, you know, the, the, head, the head hurts person, whatever. But uh, very few people, unless they're properly trained, mm-hmm. so and we can train people to how to how to properly use a prod. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to ask you: was if you take it outside of the context of, of down animals and just regular. Oh, movement I'm or, sorry. Yeah, uh, no, no. But yeah. I think that's what you've said there. I, I think it certainly resonates with me, and I think many others too. Uh, and a, a, an example, you know, I do a lot of talking with producers and vets about shipping animals, and so again, a, a, a time when we've got to get a large number of animals potentially onto a truck, and that can yeah. be a challenge. Challenge, yeah. And the prod is an off, you know, often used or talked about um, tool potentially. And like you say, there's some controversy over should that be used? When is it appropriate to use? And, and can be a challenge, I think. Um, yeah, so yeah. I, so I'll back up my, my 
approach to using a prod is to save cows. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in general, moving cows, I am not a big fan of using prods. I think there's other ways. And it sometimes is having enough people. Sometimes it's having better facilities to allow the cows to see where the exit is and to get on. So I, I think it would be a rare occurrence that I would want to use a prod in you know, general handling of, of routine situations on farms. Mm-hmm. I think that's good. It helps highlight, which I think is is really the the movement we've seen in the industry in terms of embracing its use, and it has a time a place in terms of saving cows, like you mm-hmm. say, and then and then looking at um, sort of simpler tactics, really uh, more basic tactics that can ensure the welfare of that animal and ease of movement for yourself if you just do some of these things we're talking right. about in terms of training. Well, it comes back to training, and like there's several principles about cows. I mean, they. They're a, they're a prey animal, mm-hmm. so they have a, a flight zone. So if you get inside the flight zone, they're gone, <laughs> and we, we have no control which way they go. Yep. The, the better approach is to recognize the pressure zone, which is just outside of the flight zone. And we can use the pressure zone to, to have cows go in the direction that we want them to go. One of the other principles is that the cows have to see you. So if you get in their blind zone, which is directly behind them, they can't see you. And so they, the tendency is to want to turn around and look at you. And cows go in the direction that they're looking. So if you're trying to move a cow ahead and she's got her head turned back toward you, she's not going forward. Um, one of the other principles is that cows move slower than we do. They, they walk about two miles per hour. We walk at three to four. So we tend to get in front of the cows. And as soon as we get in front of a cow, she stops. If you want a cow to move forward, you either walk with her at, uh, a bit behind her or you walk against her, opposite to her, and she'll kind of skip by you. So whenever I'm a, you know, in a situation where I want to move cows, I think of those principles. Mm-hmm. If I'm trying to move a group of cows, you know, I want to be behind her, but let her see me. And you want to kind of fan, if there's different people, you can fan out a little bit so that you're moving the cows in a calm and general manner. Things like the bud box, which is just a simple process of kind of walking a cow, you know, walking a cow into a pan, letting her see what the pan is, and then walking her around in a bit of a circle so that she will see the, an open gate or an open door that she can walk out of. A very excellent. It's a simple process, but cows will actually want to exit you know, easily and quickly and go where you want them to go. So without waving your arms, using a prod, yelling at them, we we can move cows very quietly. Mm -hmm. My earlier comment about, you know, taking all day to to blood test 100 cows uh, versus a couple hours, the people that take a couple hours, those cows are being moved calmly and quietly. There's no, there's no cows getting excited and it makes my job easier. Mm -hmm. I, I felt as a veterinarian, I felt safer. Cows felt happy. You know, they... They, they milked as much that night as they would any other night. They weren't all excited. Yep. Yeah, which is a good point. It can really disrupt oh, things yeah. if they're, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Not just for the individual who's uh, trying to provide yeah. that service at that point in time. Yeah. No, I, I feel very you know, very happy in my profession that, you know, touch wood, I, I got through 40 years with very few bangs. Um, and, you know, we can, it's a bit dangerous business we're in. And uh, so I think just, I, I tend to be a calm person myself. So I think, um, but, you know, I, working with calm farmers, that made a big difference for me. That's great. 
So you mentioned the uh, Dairy Care 365 program and some of the sort of the resources and some of the components of the training. Um, I understand there's a couple other elements to it that involve sort of getting a better uh, conversation going about what should be happening on an individual's farm and sort of that mission or vision in terms of what not only themselves and their workers should do, but the staff and anyone else coming on the farm in terms of working with their animals. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, sure. They, the, um, it's a workshop that we have. Farmers have to commit to, you know, it's usually three or four hours. We, we provide lunch mm-hmm. yeah. for them, which is always good. Um, but basically we go through the, in the morning, we talk about understanding the landscape and of the dairy industry. And that's basically looking at things like the uh, new reg- regs for federal transport of cattle, uh, the AMR, antimicrobial resistance, uh, talk a little bit about uh, activism because that's a, you know an issue sometimes on some farms, uh, pro action and the dairy code of practice. But at the end of the of the morning, we ask them to make an animal care commitment statement. And what this is is it's basically uh, three or four questions that they have to put words to. It's basically what what are you about? What's your farm about? The other thing is you know if, what do you want visitors uh, to your farm to know about you? So it's kind of a you know. It's a tough thing for farmers to sit down and put words to, to paper sometimes because it's very personal. Um, so if, once you get that part done is how will you do it? So are you going to do it by SOPs? Or are you going to do it by uh, protocols? And then the last part of the question is why will you do it? And this is where you brag about your operation. I'm doing it because I want to. I'm pr- I'm, I want to do it because of pride. I, I want to do it because I have a sense of achievement. So those are kind of the 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 building blocks for this animal care commitment statement. And I've got one here that was uh, written by a farm from in Salmon Arm. And at the end of the workshop, everybody gets up and talks about their statement. And it's a very powerful moment. So I'll read this to you. It says, at, at X Farm, we are committed to produce quality milk by ensuring our cows are provided ultimate comfort and nutrition. We have and implement SOPs and protocols that exceed industry standards. We believe in continual education for our employees and our family. Cow health matters. We love the opportunity to produce a quality product with our families. I think that's really powerful. And these these statements then, farmers will laminate them, post them in their milk cows, so that any the milk truck driver, the, uh, the person who picks out the, the bob calves for the sale barn, the, uh, the foot trimmer, Everybody gets to read that statement, and they, they know that's the expectation that is expected of them when they come onto the farm to perform their duties. So it, I think it's a very powerful statement and very heartfelt, and um, it shows the passion of our dairy farm, our dairy industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like that you use the word pride. I mean that that really sums it up, you know. And but it's it's a it's the mission and vision for the for the farm. Yeah, well, it really, as I said, it talks a little bit about what you want people to know about your farm, mm-hmm. but also gives you, and nobody wants to brag about their farm, but it gives you a chance to say, yeah, I'm doing a good job. I'm happy. I'm proud. And I want the world to know that, you know, we are, we are in this industry and we're doing a good job. Well, you, and I think you've provided a lot of really sound advice and some good feedback for, uh, for producers and, and other advisors for that matter, who are responsible for working with, with animals in a variety of different situations. So I really want to thank you for your time and for your, uh, for your input. And hopefully this was useful for our audience. Good. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks very much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Dairy Farmers of Canada's Pro Action podcast series. 
the focus of this project is to try and help Canadian dairy producers make informed decisions about animal care on their farms and support them in striving for continuous improvement. For more information, please visit the Dairy Farmer of Canada website, dairyfarmers.ca, and don't forget to like and subscribe for more content. This podcast was narrated, edited, and produced by me, Stephen Roach. Thank you to our guests and to you for listening. The project is hosted by the Dairy Farmers of Canada and partly funded by the Canadian Agricultural Partnership, a five-year federal, provincial, territorial initiative. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 